I can't say if if everybody should get a cloud cert. However, if you work in technology today or over the next decade, it's very unlikely that you won't run into cloud in some way in your career. It needs all the things. Give it all the things. Oh, perfect. You nailed it. You can't bend physics, but you can do is write better software. And you're doing MPLS changes or BDP changes. May, may God be with you, right? I, I always feel like I'm just a little fish in a sea of big fish. I've got a nested six-node Nissan. Aw, guys. People, you know, quite often think that they don't have anything to bring to the table when they absolutely do. Everybody should. Anybody in IT that skips the phone stuff it just hasn't earned it okay i lied i have one more question on demand correct welcome to gigacast episode 43 for thursday may 12th 2022 live to tape from somewhere in indiana i'm Britton johnson and live from my home office in wisconsin i'm tony reeves welcome to the all new digital sound of the gigacast podcast i'm Fully converted into away away from my analog days of an audio engineer. Nice. I'm uh, so the, if things sound terrible, I apologize. It's a work in progress. Um, trying to make things better, and you know, be the software audio jockey that I've always wanted to be. So, hopefully, this is coming through. Hopefully, we'll actually have something to share with people at the end of this, and not end up with a blank recording. As, you nice. Know, can that, happen. That, that was good. Yeah. So that's that's the goal today is, you know, try something new, see what happens, and you know, figure out you know what's going on. So. So yeah. Mmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. So. Uh, uh, oh. That's right. I was gonna play this this little clip too, because Tony, we're we're gonna be going to the Indy Five Hundred today. So, um, I was yeah, not, was not today, but this month, out. this month. So this, let's soon, just everybody, you know, take off your hats and bow bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, boogity, boogity. Amen. So that's NASCAR, nice. but we you know it's it's appropriate because we're going to to a car race. So you know, and, 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 yes, a, lot, yes. and a quite a large one. So I thought we should open this with a, with a, the appropriate NASCAR prayer. So yes, I mean this is this is like a bucket list race for us, right? We've been trying yeah. to get to this for years. Yeah, and and now that I live down here, it's 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 a heck of a lot easier to get to. So, but yeah, yes. so that's I always I always like to. I've had that clip, I don't know, in my list of clips for I don't even know, know how long. <laughs> <laughs> it's an oldie but a goodie. I don't know. That's that's from like five or six years ago, I think. Some guy did that, but Wow. Uh, yeah. 
so Tony, what's what's going on in in the world today for you? Are you uh, are you busy this week? What's what's that's happening up in Wisconsin? Uh, yep, yep. Staying busy with personal stuff. Staying busy with work. Um, you know, still working on uh, bringing our new team up to speed here and getting things rolling. Sweet. Yeah, same same old same old on my end. You know, just more 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 NSX, more security, more everything. It's just you know. Is all the things, is. all the things, just just keep on moving and trucking along, um, and yeah, I mean it's 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 been a like a, we, we it, it, May for me personally is the craziest month of the year because the end of April, my you know, youngest daughter has a birthday, then my middle daughter, or my middle daughter, my oldest daughter, yeah, I only have two kids, um, <laughs> my oldest daughter, her birthday's on Star Wars Day, May fourth. And then yep. it's then it was Mother's Day, and then now coming up next week is my wife's birthday, and then right shortly after that, you and I are going to the 500. So like everything is happening in May, and then June, like I can breathe a little bit, and then I'm going to be traveling for the last like two weeks of June, going to the Minneapolis uh, Vmug UserCon. I'm speaking there, and then I'm going to be coming straight back for the following week home because i got to speak at the indie user vmug user con so mm. like maybe what's the date on indie this year uh it's like it's like end of the month it's like june 29th yeah it's like june 29th i think okay so so if you're a vmug user con attendee and you're in the uh, indiana or minneapolis minnesota regions come on out and see me um, happy to converse with folks, and uh, and you know as 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 the world re- continues its quest to return to normality, um, it's exciting to kind of get back out and see people and talk to people and talk about cloud stuff and all those good things. And, oh, absolutely! I I did a VMUG last month, and it was awesome to be in person again. Actually, speaking to a room instead of a Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the live interaction and just the energy you get from people, uh, and just really, you know, we do this for a living, right, guys? I mean, it's it's harder to hone your craft over a Zoom when yeah. you're wearing pajama pants at home every day, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I got it was it was good. I got to drive to Chicago tonight for a in-person meeting tomorrow, and. Uh, that, that'll probably be one of the things I tell the guys when I see them tomorrow is like, well, I, you're, you're welcome because I put on pants today, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. So, all right, well, let's, let's get into this thing today. So we've invited on a, a very special and, and internationally famous YouTube sensation um, to, to talk to us about all things uh, Amazon Web Services today. So welcome to the GigaCast, Mr. Trevor Spires. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Johnson. Happy to happy to be here. Love love that introduction. I think I, I I'm gonna have to memorize that NASCAR prayer. You know that that really spoke to me uh, personally. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's good to see you guys. Good to be back with the some of the good folks at VMware. Yeah, no, I yeah, ex VMware alumni here. Yeah, so we've got you know we 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 are we are not an official vmware podcast even though i'm wearing the t-shirt today yeah <laughs> um this is something that tony and i have run personally for many years but we but it's related enough that you know we try to keep it somewhat in the family but you know we'll sure 
you know, we'll, we'll even accept people outside the family. So glad to have you here. Um, so I guess kind of just, just to kick us off on the conversation a little bit, uh, I, I tried to, I always, I, I don't ever try to script out these, these conversations because I like to keep things free and flowing. Um, but ultimately what I'm wanting to kind of just kind of get stuff started with, you know, first of all, I guess, Trevor, why don't you just give us, give us in the audience a quick intro to who you are, what you do, um, and kind of, you know, you know, figure out, uh, that kind of thing. What, what would you say you do here? Oh, <laughs> uh, now, now I'm sweating because, you know, I've been reading all these articles about layoffs. And so I hear that clip and I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Just to, just to share a little bit of my background for, um, for those who don't know me, I am a tech professional. I've been in the space now. I just hit my 10 year anniversary actually, which, which is a exciting milestone. Um, yeah kind of got things started off as like a traditional network engineer, you know, uh, Cisco route switch and was able to spend the last five years or so in the NSBU at the networking and security business unit at VMware. And uh, it's great. That's where I, it's where I learned that as much as I love technology and operations, I really um, more so enjoy like talking to people about technology, like educating people, you know, um, stuff like this. It's just been a passion of mine. So I've been having a lot of fun with that for the last couple of years. Um, and more recently I popped over to AWS as a solutions architect. So, um, you can kind of think of it as a pre-sales role, although, um, AWS is a very interesting organization and company, uh, and our, our pre-sales force is like, it's like not commission based, so it's a, it's a lot different than uh, what I'm used to uh, from my previous pre sales roles. But interesting. Uh, but yeah, I just like talking to people about tech. Really, uh, that that that's what I like, and uh, and so this is this is perfect for me. <laughs> cool. And you have yeah, and, and and as the introduction, I I pre pre selected for you is the, 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 your your YouTube channel. So is there a way people can find you on YouTube? Just search your name, or how is that? Kind yeah, of, a- of of course. Yeah, I, I've I've been making YouTube content for a couple of years, so I I just make it underneath my own name. Uh, you can search Trevor Spires on YouTube. Uh, I'm also really super active on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm too active on LinkedIn lately. I'm actually growing <laughs> a slight LinkedIn addiction. Um, but yeah, if you ever want to, if anybody wants to connect with me and see the stuff that I make, those are, those are my, the two places you can check me out or reach me. Cool. Yeah. And I, th- I think if I'm not mistaken, the first time that you and I actually ever met was in a, a random training class together. Was it the great demo class? It was, it was a great yeah. demo class. Yeah. yeah I remember That's right. that. That's right. Ah, I was, I had only been an SE at that point for maybe like three months and I was just scared. Like, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've been in professional <laughs> services, like, you know, making things work. And now I've like got to figure out how to show this stuff off to people. Um, yeah. It was fun. It was a fun yeah. class though. Yeah. No, it was, it was good. It was interesting. So if, yeah, if, if you're, if you're, an, if you want to, you know, learn how to demo software or do anything, yeah, I, I do recommend the great demo class. It's, it, it's a specific consulting agency that, that follows this formula process of how to do and build software demos and stuff. So if you're interested, look it up just to kind of keep us going in the direction here. Um, my first real question here, Trevor is, um, this, it's not really a question. It's more of a statement, but this, this cloud thing seems to be sticking around. Um, so how does, you know, AWS view the world according to clouds 
as opposed to an organization like VMware or Microsoft or something like that? Do they kind of have a different take mm -hmm. on what it means to be a cloud provider? Uh, I, I think so. Um, you know, certainly they're... AWS like has had we have our strengths and and definitely play to those um but we we also I think there's also like a pretty hard acknowledgement that like the the world is big and IT especially has been around for a really long time and so it it there I the last stat that I I heard from our CEO is like something like something like only three percent of workloads that exist today are actually in the cloud you know which is which is really crazy to think about because like like I think AWS made like it's like uh, sixty billion or eighty billion in revenue. Yeah, it's, rid it's ridiculous. Like yeah. So it's like it's it's wow. crazy how much how much we're selling, uh, how much like of the of the platform is being consumed, but to only be tapped into three percent of workloads is uh, it makes me think that there's probably a lot of room for growth. Now, as far as like how how we view ourselves in the space, I I can't speak necessarily on behalf of the company. I know that we. We really lean in though to our our culture as a as a big differentiator. Uh, past the fact that we are the biggest platform, have the most services, the the deepest and broadest set of of uh, features. Um, the way we interact with with customers is is really unique. Um, it's what it's what actually drew me here. I'm, I think I mentioned earlier, like we have this force of solutions architects that are meant to help guide customers on their cloud journey, um, but in cloud. Uh, and I mentioned it's kind of like a pre-sales role, but we can't, we don't have a quota, right? And that's super important mm -hmm. because built into the idea of cloud is that it's a, it's a business of scale. And part of that scale means that we should be aggressively lowering prices over time. In fact, we've lowered prices. It's something like a hundred and plus times since our inception back in 2006. And so if we incentivize our technical force to like to pitch the most expensive thing, well, that may, may not be the right thing. Like uh, serverless technology, for example, it's very low cost, super cheap to run a serverless application on AWS. Um, so if I had a quota, I might be incentivized to instead like run out of VM or something like that. So I didn't answer your question. I mostly just rambled a little bit, but um, I, I think I think it's a bit, I view tech, it's like such a big world. It's going to keep yeah. growing that um, uh, th there is definitely not a possibility of just like one organization owning uh, owning all of it. I think I think we'll continue to see yeah, I mean, and, and, and I don't know that it was a great question in there, but, you know, it was just, you know, every, this is my, my, I guess my one kind of beef on some of this stuff is every, please, every one of these, you know, software companies out there today, VMware and AWS included, I think they all have sort of their own definition of what multi-cloud is. Mm, um, yeah. And so like AWS being a cloud, you know, I guess I'm, that's where I'm kind of wondering, like, how does how does AWS talk about multi-cloud in this perspective? Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you know, AWS is more incentivized to have customers just just use them and be their own multi-cloud because they've got different regions and different AZs and all that kind of stuff, you know, for availability and whatnot. And I, I've been I've been learning more about that recently, and, and it's um, my opinion is continuing to evolve. Right? Uh, I I because I was really involved at VMware, and I especially got into like Kubernetes, which is kind of like a you hear that technology mentioned a lot around multi cloud yeah. and like vendor agnostic infrastructure. Um, but at, at the same time, I think I think this scale like every customer is different is what it comes down to, right? And every customer is going to have to make strategic decisions about their infrastructure. I've I've always been an operations guy, and so just logically from an operational perspective, 
um, it, 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 there's clear inefficiencies if you have uh, a, a tech department or whatever that, or, or operators and engineers or application developers that have to build and know and understand how to build reliably, securely, scalably on three different cloud platforms, for example. Like, let's say that's what multi-cloud means to you, building on Amazon, GCP, and Azure. Um, so I, th I think the, the, when I'm talking to customers, I'm always trying to figure out, especially if they're talking about multi-cloud, like what is it that you hope to achieve out of that? Right. Is it, sometimes they're afraid of lock-in, that, that, that's not a illegitimate concern. Sometimes they're, they really like the idea of diversifying um, infrastructure providers, just like you would like a ISP into a data center, right? So I try to get to the core of it, but if, if the goal is resiliency, um, and not like these higher level business things of diversifying providers or partnerships or whatever, then, resi then resiliency can be achieved with, with one cloud. Obviously, the, the most resilient applications on earth are built on a single cloud today. You know, look at the Netflixes and Airbnbs and um, all those like hyperscale tech companies. They're generally building on a single cloud provider um, or at the very least like most of their infrastructure is on one cloud provider. See, like Net Netflix is weird in that way, though, because like they started kind of, you know, using the colo approach and it's stick true. sticking their own racks of gear, yep. you know, in specific colos all over the place and having these kind of local points of presence. Um, mm -hmm. they, they, they were they were kind of doing the, the sassy thing before it was sassy. Um, it's true. Really? They're like the original like edge, you yeah. know, so the OG. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think and, they still ship racks to ISPs. Uh, like I think they right. call them like red red racks or something. Yeah, where it's pretty much their CDN that's just everywhere. Yeah, and so and it was just like you know, and, and that that's where the whole like back when it was popular to debate the whole net neutrality thing. Um, it was <laughs> just it was just like you know, net neutrality for Netflix doesn't matter because they have these points of presence everywhere, so that they they get around that by having localized content in localized areas where it where as close to the user as possible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so it's just like so even them like you know oh they're kind of they're kind of weird that way i don't i know like they've they, they and disney and all these other companies yeah they're now utilizing all other public cloud providers and stuff yeah. you know the aws of the world that's why when now when aws has an outage in a region nothing works anywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> so. yeah yeah, the the uh, it's true. Like 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 regional a regional failure is something that has to be really thought through. Of like and and the the risk of that on your business, and also like can you actually tolerate it? Do do you need to tolerate it? And if so, for how long? Like these are all right. important questions. A lot of the 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 edge the like the homegrown CDN things like Netflix. I I almost wonder because like ten years ago or even today, I think they still use those racks that they ship to ISPs. That that to me, I view that almost as like it's almost like a workaround to to networking that will inevitably be solved, right? Mm -hmm. Like th they have to do that, or they're paying crazy pr uh, carrier prices on um, streaming HD video across the internet. Right. One day, I think that that won't be a problem anymore. You know, and uh, as networks continue to get fast, it's definitely less of a problem today than it was when Netflix first launched. Yeah. And so I'm really fat, like, interested to see how, you know, like it, it, I text one of these weird things where like, there's always a, like, there's always a bottleneck. Sometimes it's the story. Sometimes it's the networking. And I think that, um, I think like the, the, 
networking actually holds back a lot right now. Uh, the bigger pipes and lower latency that will hopefully emerge um, will make systems like less complex. Like maybe you can deliver a Netflix in five years without uh, and operate at that scale without having to like build these homegrown racks of, of compute to ship to ISPs. Well, and this is outside of a business perspective, but, you know, around me locally here in Wisconsin, traditionally, we haven't had too much pipe available to us. Mm. And it's, it's nice to see, you know, like Southeast Asia, for example, Korea, they've had very affordable fiber available for years. And it, even in my uh, corner of the globe here, it's finally nice to see we've got gigabit and two gigabit speeds coming to consumer homes now which is unheard of and there's constant you know fiber conduit storage a couple of miles from my house it's, it's good to see some of that infrastructure getting put in place to enable some of this stuff to be utilized and that's then that's really what's kind of changing and driving more adoption to cloud things mm -hmm. and making you know yeah uh, sd-wan things more more popular in terms of especially as we've now transitioned to this you know everybody works from home thing yep um yeah but but even in that i mean um like where where i live here and where it was when i was back in wisconsin i mean i had gigabit fiber or to the home available to me and i i have it i have it available to me here now and i don't i don't have it and it's you know most of those like gig, supposed gigabit fiber they basically they're not really like it's not dedicated first of all right it's mm -hmm. still using the pool always a shared resource yeah it's it's just still using this you know pond fiber method where they just they drop in a local pop and then from you know from there it might be a it might be a two gig line that feeds into that one pop but you're still sharing it with all your neighbors and there's still algorithms that figure out who gets what and when um, you know, but, but when you, when you plug it into your modem and it lights up and it says gigabit, it makes everybody happy and, and makes them pay more money for it, even though they're not even close to utilizing it. So, yeah. I'm waiting patiently for some innovative ISP to launch up here in, in the Boston area is, uh, you would think we would have like cutting edge infrastructure, but I think our stuff is so old and it's so hard to dig up underneath all the buildings that right. I, I've got well, like a, you know, yeah. 60 that's, meg connection that that's the trouble of living in you know the the cradle of the united states yeah, you know yeah. where everything's super old and it's really difficult to get to put in new new stuff um thanks forever I, to put in freeway systems yeah oh my god yeah the big, big <laughs> so i one one other thing that um i think is related to this that i want to make sure that that i because this is a passion of, of mine and i think it relates to that question you had about like um, multi-cloud and cloud providers and stuff is like there to me they're like when I think of the cloud there's like two there's two big aspects of that like you can think of the cloud as like where you run your infrastructure right you can think of it as outsourcing a data center right like that that's that is like and I think that's a very surface level view of it though but that is that some people do reduce it down to that I got to run my VMs somewhere let's got to pick a provider where we're going to run them, whether it's a VMC or an on-prem VMware or, or Google or Amazon or whatever. Um, but what I, I feel like the most profound thing to me and what I believe is not, doesn't always ring true to like technologists that haven't built much stuff on the cloud yet. Like maybe they've been operating in a like data center centric way most of their career is the cloud is actually like a, it's actually, equally a hosting provider and a productivity tool for engineers, you know, interesting. It's, 
the consumption model is um, it makes it so that we we live in a world where you can um, have like a, like smaller teams that are more like generalized. Like um, we don't need necessarily have to have like somebody that's a database specialist and a, a, a load balancing specialist to build out a complex application. Um, you can kind of, you can log into the console and, and kind of play around it and, and tinker um, really easily. And I think at that, that point of entry, it, it just makes it so that way you can get more work done without a lot of sophistication. Now we all know that you can be very sophisticated in an on-prem way. You work at VMware, you can automate the heck out of that too, but it does require a level of sophistication um, to do that in an on-prem model where in the cloud you you can you can kind of be more self-driven via this this just centralized way of hey, I want I'd like yeah. a database I would like a, a speech recognition service like it's it's um it's easier to kind of there's more puzzle pieces at your yeah. disposal you know that, that that's always the piece of it though that kind of like intrigued me about AWS but at the same time that's the piece of it that made me just realize it's too much and I just can't, I can't get it all in my head. Um, like year, years ago, I, I, when I was starting my own private consultancy, um, I kind of was trying to figure out which direction I was going to go into business wise and figure out like, am I going to do cloud AWS stuff? Should I do VMware stuff? And I ended up kind of sliding into the VMware side of things. And so I started like, I was taking in all this like, uh, old, AWS reinvent conference content. And I'm just like, I'm like, first of all, like how is AWS even built? Like who came up with this thing? And I'm like, it's not, you know, Andy Jassy, who was the CEO of AWS at the time. He's now the CEO of everything at Amazon, but you know, it wasn't, you know, he, he was, he was in the room with Bezos when they came up, presented this idea of, you know, we want to build this cloud provider. And Bezos is like, okay. But Ultimately, you know, Andy Jassy and whoever his partner was, I can't remember the name of the other, other guy, they hired this guy named uh, James Hamilton. And if you've never watched any of the old reInvent presentations of James Hamilton, Trevor, go back on and go back on YouTube and find them from like 2013 and 2014 um, and 2016 even. Um, this, 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 the guy, he kind of um doc from back to the future yeah and but the dude is just ridiculously smart about about engineering and how to build things and he did some of these really old presentations i mean he talks about the the way in which they were trying to basically construct a rack for aws and how all of the off-the-shelf gear that they were getting from other vendors just wouldn't fit and they couldn't make the rack dense enough to make it you know, power efficient and make it do all these things that they wanted it to do. So they just started building their own stuff. And IT talks about how, yeah, they, they reoriented their hard drives to fit in vertically as opposed to sliding in the front. And they just, they could fit more, 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 more drives in a, in a given, you know, six inch space than any other, you know, hardware provider could do. And they just started just custom building all this stuff. And he talks about how, you know, the one, one of the interesting things I heard him talk about at one point was how, like, they were watching um, how, as AWS was expanding out their footprint, you know, their compute costs were going down, their storage costs were going down, everything was, you know, trending as they, as they were scaling up their hardware availability for customers, all of their costs were going down, 
except on the network side. And they hadn't fully figured out the internal AWS software-defined network space yet. And so he's like, and he's like, in IT world, you know, our, our network costs were, were staying flat. And he's like, what that actually meant was our network costs were going up <laughs> because everything else is going down. And so that's when he's, he kind of they worked, started working with the team inside AWS to build their own basically version of NSX to run all of the AWS platform on top of. And then from there, that spawned all this 5,000 network services that sit on top of everything today. And yep. like to hear him kind of talk about in detail about how they build all this stuff is just super fascinating. No, yeah, I, right? I just wanted to mention, because you, you mentioned NSX and there's an awesome presentation called Life of a Billion Packets. I watched it like three weeks ago. It's an old reinvent. And like I learned NSX before I learned the cloud. And so I'm yeah. watching this presentation and I'm like, they're, talk, they're talking about how they do ARP and like they yeah. augment layer two, like between servers. And it's it's all like in the kernel of the, of the server. And there's this, mm -hmm. there's this control mechanism that keeps track of all the tables of mapping a, a certain MAC address to a, to a certain server that has a tunnel endpoint that it's, I'm like, well, this is like the exact same fundamental design. Obviously they built, right. they built their own thing. But it's right. fascinating. It was really fascinating for me to see, like, wow, like the, the, these concepts are pretty universal. Yeah, know? and the, the one of the one of the last uh, James Hamilton keynotes that he gave, he was this was after the um, the Super Bowl blackout, or the the year that the Ravens 49ers had the Super Bowl and the power went out during the middle of the game. He actually goes into an explanation of what happened, of why the power went out for so long in the middle of the game, and then what you know they had to do to fix it. Um, it wasn't an AWS problem per se, but he explains that basically all power, all high voltage power switchgear has a safety mechanism in it that takes 30 to 60 minutes to complete all the safety checks before you can turn the power back on. It's like, that's why the power was out for so long in the middle of the Super Bowl. And when AWS is building all of their data centers all over the place, they, they wanted to find a power switch vendor who would build them a, a power switching unit for their data centers that didn't have that safety process. And they all said no. So, <laughs> a, so AWS said, okay, we're just going to build our, build our own. So the AWS is building their own high voltage power switch gear without the safety protocols. So they can just flip the power back on if it goes off. <laughs> wow. So I'm like, wow. that's kind of scary and interesting all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's so, very interesting. All right, before it's, we were... it's interesting how much how much they, we've taken um, and started started to do on our own. No, so basically, before we run out of time here, I want I do want to talk through kind of this uh, certific certification cloud journey and and kind of like how how this is going because yeah, like you know VMware is encouraging you know pretty much all of their SEs to get some sort of a cloud cert. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, and they're not necessarily saying do AWS, they're saying, you know, yeah, pick one and just do get one because we mm -hmm. need to know how this stuff works. So, you know, part of your journey in, in making the jump over was going through this, you know, certification path that I know people can go to your YouTube channel and get more detailed information about this. But um, in general, you know, what, what do you feel like is a, uh, you know, like, like, first of all, yeah, like, you know where where should should everybody be getting a cloud provider cert whether whether or not you're working in in this kind of a space or you know where do you want where do you think people should really uh, 
potentially start in in learning how to do this stuff yeah well i think i think the the first question of should you do it i mean i can't say if if everybody should get a cloud cert however um i i'm of the opinion that it's if you work in technology uh today or over the next decade, it's very unlikely that you won't run into cloud in some some way in your career. Not to mention it can just move your career forward. I mean, th these are, there's a lot of jobs, great paying jobs. So like from that perspective, I think it's something everybody should absolutely consider. It, I, I love the cloud certifications because they're, they're particularly like, and I wish that cloud would have been around when I first started because you kind of had to choose a specialty back in the day and right. be an expert in Cisco or Microsoft. But the cloud cert, you actually get to learn a little bit about everything. You learn a little bit about compute, networks, storage, content delivery networks, security. And I think that that's really valuable for somebody who's just starting their career to get that wide of an exposure. And so I'm, a, I'm really passionate about the certs. And um, as far as like what provider like, I think that's where people get hung up. They get an analysis paralysis of like, should I do Amazon? Should I do Google? Should I do whatever one you feel like you should do. Like if you're working with a customer that's, that's building on a provider, like, well, that's it. That's your cue. Like focus on that provider. Right. If you really don't know by the numbers, by the data, if, if you need a tiebreaker, AWS certs have the most job openings right now. Um, so I guess based Uh, an AWS certification is a good place to start. And in particular, associate certification. Um, that is that that gives you like a nice high level overview of, of of everything on AWS, but it's deep enough to really lock in some of the concepts. There is a lower level certification. It's called the Cloud Practitioner. Um, people tend to start with that. I, I don't recommend that to engineers. Um, if you already know anything about technology that I think the cloud practitioner cert is a, is kind of a waste of time for you because uh, it's more of like a vocabulary test than, than actually digging into the technology. So it's okay. a great cert for like a salesperson or like a marketing person. But I think if you're an engineer, the solution architect associate will scratch that itch of like getting hands-on and learning some real stuff um, while also exposing you to probably a whole lot of new technology if you haven't uh, worked much on cloud in your career so far. So real quick question along those lines is you recommended the starting place and that's, that's awesome. Uh, so we, we appreciate that. But from a, a getting started perspective, you know, myself, I'm a real hands-on learner and we've got mm -hmm. options like a cloud guru and, and several uh, Udemy, several other courses that exist out there. Is there anything in terms of a, maybe free or super reduced cost way to, uh, I know there used to be a, a way to sign up for an Amazon account and mm -hmm. basically start building out something to, to for your education purposes, for non-business purposes, uh, to learn that in the cloud in a real environment. Uh, do you have any kind of like, like just to kind of coin a phrase with VMware, hands-on labs, do you have anything like along those lines uh, for people to learn with hands-on? Absolutely, and and okay. this is this is a beauty of, of the model. Just kind of fundamentally, is is AWS has a very generous tier, and so I account and I use all of my um, all of my certification studies. So I've accrued a bill 
of, I think, $20 across getting five certifications in terms of like actually being charged by Amazon. And so most of what you, you need to know can be done within that free tier. Now, there are certain specialty certifications and other things where that changes. And in that case, there are great providers out there like um, like a cloud guru I know has like a, a subscription service where they'll spin up a lab for you. So you're not incurring costs. And so if you're really okay. weary and you're not sure and you want some like added levels of protection that you're not exceeding free tier, those are great. However, the, the free tier, I, I, I chose a course that had a lot of hands-on labs. It was a Udemy course for my associates. And the, the instructor was very good whenever you would go through the labs of saying like, here's the free tier, but make sure you clean it up you know, in a week or you're going to be charged. Right. And so uh, it's good okay. to have somebody like that and kind of guide you through um, if you're concerned about getting, getting stuck with a bill. Yeah, I I just I just bet grabbed that course from Stefan as well cuz I mean he do, he does he does a really nice job um of kind of stepping through things and talking through, you know, like this is what it is and so I I've it's the same kind of basic course that I tried to do like about 4 years ago but updated. Um and and yeah, it's just it's still just as content overload as ever. I mean, it's you know, that 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 to me is the hardest part of getting through this is there's just so many little tiny components, um, you know, and I guess that that's where my kind of one question is like on, on like the sort the architect associate the entry level exam, like, like, I mean, like on the, on the VMware side, when they, when you study for an exam, there's a blueprint to the exam that kind of shows you, you know, where to stay within the boundaries of the, what the exam covers. So you're not over studying on other things. Is there, I'm assuming there's a blueprint somewhere for the, for these AWS exams that show, you know, what you need to focus on versus what you shouldn't. Yeah, ab absolutely. On the, on the Amazon's website, you can get like a, a there's a web page and a PDF you can download that has all the topics and, uh, and everything that, that are covered within the context of the exam. I, I still, and, and there are free resources for like hands-on learning with free tier. And um, there's also Amazon has this portal called uh, skills builder. And so you could log onto that and there's actually free, just free training. You don't have to pay for there. However, I personally, uh, when I'm studying for a certification, like I'm, I try to be as efficient as possible. Um, I don't like to study. It's not actually fun for me. It, it is, yeah, it no, is I'm, work, I'm right, right, right you know, with you. Yeah. <laughs> and training courses these days, like, like Stefan Marieks, um, have gotten so good and so accurate in terms of how they, uh, educate students on content that, you know, yeah, I, I know some people really if you're strapped for cash, you can, you can use those free resources, but you're going to save yourself hours and hours, um, by investing in a, in a course like, like Stefan Marieks or another great guy is Adrian Cantrell. He makes great training, but I think spending like a couple days finding the best possible resource out there goes a long way and will save you. It might cost you a few bucks, but it's going to save you. It could save you weeks or a month of study time if right. you get the right resource. In your well, hands. like those those Udemy courses are on sale all the time. I think I paid like twelve dollars for it. Yeah, or something ridiculous. yeah, twelve ninety nine. Twelve ninety nine right now. I'm on the page for yeah. Stephane. It's eighty four ninety nine. I'm I'm not even going to make VMware pay for that. I'll just pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. not worth the expense report. Yeah, right. And it, uh, the one question I did have, Trevor, is how how are these is the exams delivered? I mean, are they delivered the same kind of ways like through Pearson View? Um, is, is like a VMware or Microsoft test? 
Yeah, if you've ever taken a certification, it's the same as as the same as anything. It's I, I took mine through Pearson View. There's another provider called I think PSI that you can enroll through as well. But I took all mine from my home as well, and I, I'm hoping that that's something that cert providers keep around, even if if we ever live in a world where pandemic isn't a word that's regularly used in our vocabulary. Because yeah. I don't know, it's it's nice to take a cert in your jammies. It's already a stressful day to like. Uh, study and go in and, and you get the jitter right. for the exam. So it's, um, yeah, you can just take it from home these days, which is pretty slow. Yeah, that's what I did the last two from VMware that I did. I just, just did it in the house and yeah, it was nice. But like the the, the one thing I will miss about the, the old testing centers at Pearson View is just taking a, a modern day data center exam test on a computer from, you know, 2002. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't update them much. Like they've still got the old compact desktop tower hiding under the desk in these old testing centers. It's just like, like really, we can't get you know a thin client or some sort to do these tests on. Yeah, yeah. I, I especially the the I do. I think I'll try to take all mine from home. But anytime there's like a hands-on portion, I think you you should still got to go to the testing center. Like, and not not that you have to, but I think it's in your in your favor because like i've just heard a lot of bat like i tried to do a hands-on portion of an exam in in my home office and because it's not a controlled environment it it became a huge a huge headache so and that that applies to even vmware exams too like i did the nsx implementation uh, or deployment exam a few years ago and yeah yeah got got to go to a testing center like have a controlled environment for those yeah. situations yeah, the, well that ex that exam is known for latency issues so yeah. that's not surprising yeah, yeah. So you, you just took the, uh, per your LinkedIn post, you just took another one, which was the networking one. Um, so what, what all is, is encompassed in within that? And, you know, how does that kind of compare and contrast to, to something like a VCP NV for NSX exam? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it was a cool exam. So the networking specialty exam was would be like i think if you're a network engineer for example and you want to really get into cloud like starting with these essay associate to get your kind of feet wet is, is good because you need that foundation but then these specialty exams are really hyper focused on like one domain um which you know as a lifelong networker so far uh it, that was really interesting to me the exam itself people if you go online for that exam actually people talk as if it's quite difficult um however I think that a lot of people that take these AWS exams, maybe a lot of them don't have a, a networking background. And so it can be very difficult, I think, for somebody that has that doesn't know anything about subnetting or BGP or, or whatever. But the, the advanced networking exam, is, it was, it's very network focused. It's like hey, routing decisions. Um, you know, IP addresses, NAT, BGP, like not, not super, super deep. It's still pretty, I would say pretty broad across cloud networking services. Um, but, uh, if you're a networker and you have some networking chops, it's, it's a really fun exam. And I, I kind of viewed it as like, I've got these, a decade of networking experience and I really kind of want to forklift that experience and knowledge into a, a cloud world. And so a cert like that, if you're a real domain expert, whether it's networking or databases or something like that, is a great way to uh, keep that specialty and kind of port it over to a, to a cloud provider. How does, uh, does AWS handle, like, when, when you get a test, do, do you get any sort of additional kind of cred within your role? Or does <laughs> it just kind of, like, 
like pat on the back, good good job, you know, get back to work. I'm sure uh, some of them are required too, right? Some are, yeah. As an AWS employee, I have it's it's required for, as an SA at my level. I have to have um, the SA associate uh, in my first ninety days, and then I ha I have to get the solution architect professional in my first year. I haven't done that one yet. All so those are requirements for the role, like. Um, so that that's just an expectation that's set with my manager. AWS's culture is pretty unique where like I, I've never I have this since I was in the diligently track. They they keep very close track of my certifications and I report that because we have a culture of like continuous like employee reviews and um I think every six months we run through like your stats and like compare those against the rest of the team. And so it's very diligently tracked and uh, no, like you don't get like a raise or a bonus or anything when you get them, but it does, it is a, a, a line item in your performance report that, okay. that happens annually. Cool. Tony, any final thoughts, questions, concerns? I don't think so. Um, you've given me a lot of links that I've been browsing while we talked. And by the way, James Hamilton has a, a YouTube video of his yacht. Yeah, well, it's it's not like he's a you know he's not he's not like a Russian oligarch yacht. I mean, it's like a, it's like a thirty foot boat that he him and his wife he's he's basically retired now. But they they yeah. sail around the globe basically every year as much as they can. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, but no, I've I've been looking a lot at these. You know, obviously, I'm in the same boat as Britain. You know, we're required to get a new cert here at VMware uh, as part of our roles too. So I've been taking down a lot of notes in terms of things that you've said and links, uh, courses that you've recommended. Uh, for that, um, Stefan Marek. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a lot of good information here. I think this is going to help a lot of you know even VMware employees that are uh, you know going to be doing this as well. As far as like the structure, how the testing, and and how we can get hands on and and do some of this stuff ourselves. Um, it's good to know also that you said that a cloud guru stuff has some some testing labs built into it. So, very very helpful. For sure. And if anybody, you know, anybody listening wants to understand more or, or, or uh, has any questions, you know, always feel welcome to, to reach out to me directly. It's something that I'm, I love. It, it, it's a really fun cert. Like today I do Cisco certs and it was like a lot of CLI based stuff. And it's like the, the big, the big reveal was the ping worked, you know, and that's kind of rewarding <laughs> when the ping works as a network engineer. Mm -hmm. But you study for this cert and you're like literally like building, building a little application, you know, building a website, like actually building yeah. something that is like a full stack app. And that's, that's as a, as it, as a technologist, that's always rewarding to like see something that you actually built. And so I think, I think if you go in with my, that mindset of like, Hey, this is actually kind of fun. Um, we're building, we're playing with Legos, you know, we're yep. it, it, then, uh, <laughs> tech Legos, tech Legos. Exactly. It can, it can be, uh, easier to keep the motivation, which is honestly the, that's the hardest part for any certification, right. Is actually just putting in the time in the books. Yeah. yeah. Getting that hello world moment when it's yeah. <laughs> supposed to, supposed to do it, what it does and it does it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Trevor, thanks for coming on. Uh, appreciate you giving us the time and, uh, We'll, uh, I'm sure, be following in your footsteps on this crazy cloud journey that we're all on. And uh, I think this is good, good, helpful stuff for people to get out there. And yeah, if you if you want to find more information, certainly go look up Trevor on the YouTubes, and uh, you know, go ahead and bother him with any and all questions because he loves to do that stuff. So that's the great awesome. thing about the community is we're all willing to help each other, which yeah. is why we do this podcast. That's right. 
All right. Well, have a good rest of your week, gents, and have a good weekend. And uh, we will hopefully come at everybody again here soon with another wonderful episode. And uh, otherwise, uh, have a good rest of your May. And uh, peace out, folks. Thanks for listening to GigaCast episode 43. Thanks to Trevor for joining Tony and I today. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We will come back at you soon with another episode. And please keep listening and sharing and broadcasting this out so we can help others in the industry learn more about technology and how to do this crazy thing we call working IT. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Engineers are not good at dealing with customers.